0: hello and welcome to the future tribe podcast each week we'll be talking about getting things done we'll talk to people who've built up their businesses pulled off amazing projects and cover everything from psychology and strategy to the tips and tricks that will help make your dream a reality we're the podcast that's all about empowering the optimists and the go-getters i'm your host jermaine muller you're listening to the future Tribe podcast and this episode is just getting started Hello, Future Tribe. Welcome to another episode of Last Week on Tuesday. Uh, This episode is for the 5th of November 2019. Hayden, let's get started with the notable news.
1: No doubt, no doubt. Um, So first off, Google acquires Fitbit. Um, Apple is shifting its iPhones in the subscription direction and is also starting to bundle its TV with other services. Uh, Netflix releases a podcast called The only podcast left, Spotify, finally becomes profitable. Uber is uh, making Uber money. Police is using uh, Alexa recordings for evidence in trials. ABC launches iView for free internationally. And Microsoft Edge has a new logo. So a lot of good news, Jermaine. But the most important news of the week is that today it is your birthday. <laughs> so happy birthday jermaine thank founder you founder and ceo of future theory
0: <laughs> thanks hayden
1: i, thought I wasn't gonna, gonna let uh... you get out of here with a nice happy birthday
0: <laughs> i thought you were gonna start singing uh happy birthday and um i, I wasn't sure where that was gonna go um but thank thank you very much thank Man, you very much. if i had a nicer uh, voice you'd be singing much more <laughs>
1: No, no problem. Yeah, exactly. I'd be, and if we had some candles to blow out, I might've thought about it too, but unfortunately we have neither. So we should just get into the news. Get into the news.
0: <laughs> All right, let's get the ball rolling with um, Google acquiring Fitbit for 2.1 billion US dollars. So um, it's it's not a surprising move. Google and, um, well, a lot of the Android sort of side, well, Let's put it this way: Everyone, apart from Apple, have been trying to really uh, own the smartwatch market. And Fitbit's probably one of the few smartwatches. I don't know if you'd call them a smartwatch per se, because it's different to say an iPhone. Um, uh, yeah, and like an Apple, sort watch. of just a
1: wearable, wearable technology. A wearable tech, yeah. yeah.
0: Um. So. We've heard that they've just uh, basically bought Fitbit at 2.1 billion US dollars uh, which is pretty pretty good for for Fitbit as a company. I feel like they've um, probably yeah it was the, above uh, their market yeah yeah it was definitely above their market mm. sort of value. Um, Facebook was also in talks um, to acquire Fitbit. Um, again, we're seeing a lot of these really big companies start to I would say turn around their cash and flex their muscle um, as they as they start to, I guess, consolidate and offer more services uh, than they have before, and get into different areas of business. What are your thoughts on this?
1: Mm, um, well, I think like as you said, this is obviously a ploy to get at Apple's wearable market because even though people have differing opinions on the Apple watch, it is a very successful branch for the Apple brand. I mean, I think they have 54% um, market share in the wearable space and it's a 25 billion dollar, I believe, or million dollar a year um, arm of their business. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Sorry. It'd be 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 into the millions. It wouldn't be into the billions because it's not, I don't think
0: it's big enough, Um, but it definitely will be into the millions. It's, Mm let's let's face it at the end of the day a smartwatch is you know way past uh, uh being a necessity uh especially compared to even buying an expensive smartphone you know most people couldn't justify mm-hmm. it. i don't think even the i think you've got to really really be into tech or really have a compelling use case if you're say always running around always busy don't necessarily have time to take your phone out and don't necessarily always get to or unifications for example I could see uh, and which is Watch a very specific use set. It, it is it is yeah. but I guess again or, or these big brands sort of they get into a stage in their businesses where they've exhausted you know the, the their room for growth they've they're making money like like no other business ever has um, so they're just trying to I guess get into smaller and smaller markets because that's their only potential for growth moving forward.
1: Yeah, definitely, and I and I think people are looking at the success of Apple's Apple Watch and how they basically cornered the fitness market. Because I mean, if people will remember remember correctly, Fitbit was really the market leader for a long time until the Apple Watch had all the functionality of a Fitbit and also integrated messages and was just more of a. A more complete device, I would say, in my opinion, and then sort of took it from there. And I feel like this is um, this is Google's ploy to sort of get at that and sort of compete with them directly on every product on every product line. So yeah. smartphones, laptops, wearables. Just not let Apple run away with something just because they were really the first to market with it.
0: That's it. I mean, we've seen that in the in the music streaming space, and now we're seeing that in the TV sort of streaming uh, space as well, because again, for these big companies, they just want to have you know comp- they want to have something that competes in in all these smaller spaces, um, we, just like we saw Microsoft acquire Absolutely. a gaming gaming streaming sort of service microsoft has no need to do that you would Mm. as a big business you would look at them uh oh sorry as a smaller business if you if they were to do that you would look at them and wonder what's going on why is this enterprise solutions company buying a very consumer sort of level um service but they're they've got that they're doing so well that they need to have, I guess, a presence in every single market. Amazon's a great example as well. You know, they've got their uh, web services arm. They've got the, the shipping, the eBay competitor. They've got the Netflix competitor. They've got the Spotify competitor. It's, it's an interesting direction. I am keen to see what Google does with Fitbit. Uh, I don't know if you remember this, but they acquired Motorola a few years ago now um, and sold it Mm. you know within a few years for a loss so google's google's not the best company uh for say hardware acquisitions um they don't they don't necessarily do too well in um as a a company as an acquired company Uh, it's a bit different i guess with google google who acquired national we covered their their launch a little while ago um you know, Nest as a company seems to be doing fine. Seems to be doing well. So perhaps Google's sort of worked it out so that they're not buying businesses, buying companies, and then having to shutter them or palm them off.
1: Yeah, I think the and I think that's a great point. But I think it also just goes to the fact that they are buying a lot of companies. I mean, this isn't even the first health startup or health, you know, based brand that they've bought. They've bought a couple in the past and haven't really done anything with them. So I don't think we'll see a product launch in the immediate future, but I think that in the next couple of years, we will definitely see a, a Google watch um, sort of like product and Apple watch competitor that has the same functionality, probably for a cheaper price point. I mean, that seems to be Google's MO, um, you know, a definitely to get, get a piece of hardware at a lower price point. Yep.
0: Certainly. And um, yeah, it's a good point you raise as well that um, there's no Google watch at the moment. Um, They've, they've sort of left their, their other partners to deliver watches. So I have a Huawei smartwatch. Um, There have been a few brands who've released smartwatches, but Google hasn't done that yet. So this is definitely a sign that Google will be doing that soon, but moving on to another tech company, um, Apple, who, are now shifting iPhones. It looks like into more of a, subscri- a subscription sort of uh, service um, or, or not, not necessarily a subscription service, but sort of the same hallmarks of a subscription service. What they're basically doing is that they introducing a new program yeah. with the Apple card um, that allows users to finance their iPhones for up to 24 months without paying any sort of interest. So you, you're you looking at essentially a subscription model because you know you are you pay for your device and then you can give it back to apple presumably and just buy the latest device 24 months later
1: um, it, it's a smart move from apple i think because it for you know from a revenue standpoint having these sort of subscription based models really it really tempers out the times in which you are getting money from your consumers so it's not every year you product launch and you get all your revenue on the front end and sort of just get intermittent buyers who you know are late adopters you get a constant stream of cash flow throughout the year and just from you know tax and business purposes that's advantageous I think it's also good because as these iPhones get re- much more expensive um, you need to hide those costs from the consumer <laughs> that's and I think that Paying $25 a month is much more palatable to a consumer than saying, hey, and especially for Australian consumers, because we are now paying, what, like $1,700, $1,800 in some cases for the top tier iPhones. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not going to fly with consumers going forward unless you break it down like a lot of, you know, after pay sort of companies do into smaller bite size increments that people are willing to pay.
0: Yeah. And I mean, they've got the Apple card, so they're obviously getting into the money business. Um, and it makes sense that they then um, offer their their, their devices. Uh, so that, like you said, they're smaller yep. chunks, but, it's all integrated. It's much more alluring than, say, getting a gem. I think Gem is a is a pretty popular sort of interest free credit card that you can get at a lot of these, um, a lot of places like Harvey Norman and JB Hi Fi. Instead of doing that, you just go directly through Apple. Mm. Um, and perhaps it's their way of selling people on the Apple credit card as well, because, like you were saying, phones are becoming more expensive. I think that's exactly it. Um, and they can afford to almost let their hardware sales drop. Because they're getting money on the well continuous stream of income um, from their supplementary services, um, I guess that sort of nicely exactly. um, rolls us into Apple TV plus, which is now being bundled in with the Apple music student plans. so again, you're seeing what I would see what I would see is them essentially um, bundling in all these services, but in a traditional business, it would essentially look like Upselling people, so when you sign up for Apple Music, you can pay a little bit more and get Apple TV, and probably in the future, why don't you, you know, throw on an iPhone for another fifty dollars a month while you're while you're at it, and it comes out as one charge.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You've just hit the nail on the head. The one thing that Apple has historically been good at is being able to leverage the success of their previous products into launching new products because of how well they integrate with each other. I mean, you know, it's going to be as a lot of tech companies now are trying to launch cards. And we talk later in this show about how Uber is trying to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. The advantage Apple has is that they can give you cash back on the purchase of Apple products, which to the average consumer who has an Apple products is pretty um, appealing because 3% back on, you know, nearly $2,000. I mean, you can do the math. So that's not an insignificant amount of money. And you all integrate this with the subscription models that you're already paying and you'll probably get cash back on that end. Um, it's a very smart way to bundle all your products into one big service offering that you are a cradle to grave apple you know consumer who gum gets <laughs> gets it. a lot of advantage from from you know taking part in all of their products you know and use, utilizing all their products I should say
0: yeah i mean you you're going to because you're going to look at it and see a 3% cashback is a 3% discount um It is. It doesn't necessarily translate into that in 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 real terms. And um, you know, you're going to probably think to yourself, "Hey, I'm going to get three percent back anyway, so might as well just get the new iPhone or or whatever it may be." And Apple's renowned for not discounting their brand um, and their products. Um, But this is a nice way for them to essentially do the same thing: essentially discount without discounting.
1: Yeah. And again, that that folds into it as well because discounts on apple services are so rare that when they're offered in a service you know like this it does become appealing to consumers because you become conditioned to not expect that from a premium comp- uh, company like apple so again smart move from apple we'll see how consumers um, react to it and whether they're you know they're w- yeah they're willing to spend that much money and you know have an apple card which i th- i still think will be it'll take a lot of work to get consumers to look at Apple in that light, not just as a hardware software company, but as a financial institution. Financial
0: institution. Definitely. Um, but moving on, Netflix is um, well, Netflix has a podcast, which is called the only podcast left. Um, it's a planned release. So it's supposedly coming out in about two days in the U S um, and it's, it's being pitched as a fictional companion to its, um, new show called daybreak which I just started watching I'm not sure how I feel about it on Netflix as well um, the podcast apparently takes part in that universe um, and it's actually a story so it's not so much an informational podcast so we don't have to sort of freak out and look at uh, more competition in, in in I guess what we do it's more <laughs> of a look at podcast as an entertainment um, which I'm not a consumer of I don't I don't know how you consume podcast yourself hayden but i usually use it as an informational source rather than necessarily out and out um i guess uh entertainment per se
1: yeah yeah um i'm definitely the same but these type of podcasts are are relatively popular um fictional podcasts because the way they typically do it is they they portray it and plan it out like a radio drama would be where people are you know, come in and they play different roles and, you know, they do sound effects and stuff like that. So um, they are quite popular if people want to like look. At, there are especially a lot of zombie ones um, from what I've <laughs> right. read. So that's sort of a space that's pretty popular. Yeah, but it's interesting. What I think is more interesting than that is this idea of companion content. Um, being rolled out with a mainline TV show because I feel like so many times, especially with Netflix's binge model, that you become so hungry for more content. You know, if you what if you really are vibing with a show, you watch it, you know, all in a day or two. I think you're really are left with that empty feeling of man, I would love just a little bit more of that world. I would want to stay in that, you know, stay in that land just a little bit longer. And I feel like this sort of stuff is good because even if 10% of people, you know, you know, watch it, that is a big show, especially, you know. Yeah. It's pretty good. Um, It's interesting that it's going to be
0: exclusively available through Spotify until the 12th of December. Um, It's, I guess, I guess maybe, you know, Netflix um, doesn't see themselves getting into the music space. um, So they don't see Spotify as a competitor. They see Spotify as a partner. I don't know, maybe maybe there's a potential for acquisition in the future because, correct me if I'm wrong, but I see Netflix or Spotify as very much doing the same in their relative industries, in their, um, in their relative spaces. Um, so a lot of synergy there yeah. between what the businesses are trying to do and what the businesses have done so far. So it makes sense that um, they buddy up and, and work together. Um, Speaking of Spotify, moving on to the next item, Spotify is profitable once again as it cuts, co- cuts costs and adds cheaper plans. So they beat expectations for a third quarter of revenue and posted an operating profit of about $60 million US dollars. The music industry, uh, especially these music streaming services, are mostly unprofitable. So the fact that Spotify has been able to make a profit, um, especially as they continue to acquire users, Uh, So they've got about 250 million monthly active users um, out of which about 113 are paying. So that is a pretty decent number. Um, I think when you translate that, I would say 113 million paying premium users would be generating probably revenue of around probably a billion dollars a month. Um, So Mm -hmm. pretty nice numbers. I'm sure the services aren't cheap that they're offering and, and running this isn't cheap. But nonetheless, it's interesting that to me from a business point of view that um, such a low margin business model is actually paying out and it's it's um, profitable. I didn't expect Spotify to ever, ever be profitable. I just thought they'd sell to someone like Google and, um, you know, make, make a return for their investors in that way.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um. Well, I think they've made a lot of smart moves. I think they've, you know, reading the article, um, that's in the Google Doc here. It seems to be that a lot of it has to do with cost cutting, as opposed to grabbing new um, listeners and stuff. Obviously, they have tried to breach into the Indian market, but again, that's a work in progress, and it's yet to be seen whether any um, music streaming platform has has a future there. Um, But yeah, I mean, good on Spotify. I think they offer a great service and I think their investment in podcasting will be advantageous to them moving forward. But again, it's a small operating profit of $60 million. And when you put that in the context of how much they would be, you know, generating in net income, Mm -hmm. I mean, in gross income rather, it's a very small slither
0: well yeah or, i mean uh, approximately
1: probably a oh, billion you know, dollars high.
0: to 12 like about 12 billion dollars of profit a year out of which they get they you know they end up with 16 million um i would say yeah mm. not mm. not not a huge as a percentage it's next to it's negligible but regardless it's it's interesting that they've been able to do that um moving on uber is launching uber money uh it's, well, they're creating a new division called Uber Money um, to handle their financial services business. Um, that sees that will oversee everything from the company's credit and debit card offerings, digital wallets, and products for drivers. Um, I'm not sure why they're doing this. I guess it's another way to monetize or to make money on elements that or aspects of a business that. Um, the consumers are using anyway. So I guess it's a way to become more profitable because if they can offer you the credit card that you're paying for Uber with, I would assume that they, they're able to overall make more profit out of that those transactions um, yeah. than if you were, say, using a competitor's card um, because the fees, you know, they'd be paying out more fees. Um, it's It's, again... Interesting move, but I think not surprising given that we've seen, you know, Apple do the same thing. Um, mm. We'll probably see a lot of the big brands um, essentially offer their own credit cards and, and services like that.
1: Yeah, well, like a lot of places that aren't typical financial institutions are starting to offer these low-rate credit cards. And I think, you know, we, we often lament like, oh, these startups, how do, they, how do they eventually make money and all that sort of stuff? because they're just getting in all this big user base, but it's not exactly profitable. Maybe this was their long-term plan in how to become profitable. Because again, going back to our, you know, Apple, Apple conversation, you're leveraging the fact that Uber is the ride sharing service that everyone uses mm-hmm. to, to promote your, you know, your credit card that people are, you know, will eventually use to, buy Uber products and they get that for cheaper so it becomes actually something where even though it sounds weird to have an Uber card, and hey, it's valuable for me because I live in Sydney and I take Ubers you know, four or five times a week and it ends up being a profitable venture for me. Um, what I think was interesting about the news as well is how basically it's going to be used also as a tool for the drivers so they, can, they get the money that they're paid from Uber immediately and it's put mm-hmm. into that you know, onto the card and that they can track their expenses and stuff a bit better. Because what I've heard, um, you know, anecdotally from people who drive Uber, it's not actually as profitable as the company will lead you to believe just because you're paying petrol costs and, the you know, the damage to the car.
0: Yeah, definitely, definitely. I don't think, I'm sure, um, I'm sure it must be profitable at least a little bit, but I don't think it's actually that amazing. But, um, moving on, um, police (laughs) ask Amazon's Alexa, um, who done it in a suspicious death case. This is not surprising, but I think the outcome of this whole, um, I guess case is going to dictate how we, um, handle similar incidences in the future and how we sort of handle or treat smart speakers, because we we heard a few weeks ago that they were listening or they are listening in on um, just general conversations, whether, whether the speakers themselves are activated or not. Um, but this also leads to essentially like a CCTV network, but just for audio. Um, yep. I think the outcome is going to be interesting uh, because um, well, you know what it's going to set the stage to uh, as, as to whether we see more of this in the future and we see law enforcement and government using all these other devices um as spying and well not spying in a malicious way but as a, as a way to keep keep tabs on what's happening
1: yeah yeah i mean definitely i think even going back to when our parents were growing up, I mean, CCTV wasn't, you know, common and it definitely wasn't even in, you know, residential houses where it's, you know, now it's gotten so cheap to do so that you'd really be an idiot to try to like break and enter into houses these days. And now this is even going further than that into like some black mirror uh, you know, <laughs> territory where if you commit a crime, you got to make sure that there is no monitoring hardware in your household at all because the police will then seize that and use that to, you know, the thing that you bought yourself, ironically, to put you in jail for a crime you committed. It's really, it's really weird. And this is like one of those culturally, you know, shifting moments where the technology we have created will drastically change like how, you know, our lives and aspects of our lives that we couldn't even, you know, comprehend back in the day
0: how it pans it, it, out because I mean yeah. what you're now making me think is even things like um working out if you were actually where you say you were they can look yep. at your your technology whether you have a smartwatch that connect, connects to wi-fi or a phone that connects to wi-fi to then look at logs to identify if you were if you were there or if you were not um I think I mean, first of all, you shouldn't be committing crimes anyway yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> So you're probably you're probably safe. The average person I would say the average listener um listening in isn't isn't uh freaking out about this from a you know this is gonna get me caught point of view, but it's still concerning in a my privacy needs to be protected and should be protected sort of point of view um and I,
1: and I think it will hurt the reputation you know of these sort of product lines, because even though people, as you said, aren't going to plan to murder their spouses or anything, I mean, the idea that even in your own home, there are things that are constantly recording you constantly recording the things that you are saying and doing, even though these companies claim that they're not, they claim that they're just taking, you know, keywords that you say, and then they stop recording after that. I mean, it makes me worry that if I have these things that can be used as evidence by the police, could they be used for nefarious things by someone who gets some, you know, spyware in there and starts, you know, recording the things that I'm saying, so if I say like a password to someone or yeah. I say like... like
0: or even even conversations like, you know, Working out your mother's maiden name or your first yep. college. Um, yeah, even without getting down to passwords, you could just l- genuinely just listen to a conversation or conversations to then gather enough questions to reset a password for for someone. Um, mm. But moving on, um, going back home in terms of tech news, um, ABC announcing and the their IV app um, becoming available internationally. Um, and it's a hundred percent free. So it'll be called ABC Australia. I view, I, no pun intended, I guess uh, my view on this is that it's, it's fantastic. I think, I think in a world where there are so many streaming services and so many, um, different paid streaming services where really it's, I think, I think you can get up to a hundred dollars a month in, you know, small subscription expenses quite comfortably nowadays. Oh, definitely. Definitely. That, that's a lot of money for the convenience of, of watching TV shows. And you know, let's be honest, Netflix releases a show, you binge it and you're going to continue paying, but you're not necessarily watching it. Um, cause so this Act- whole concept actively. of, exactly actively. I mean, yeah. because even with music, there is this whole argument that, Hey, It's much cheaper than buying, you know, going back, buying a CD or buying a buying a box set. But perhaps it isn't. I mean, these companies are charging you very small money upfront, I guess, with the hopes that over over your lifetime they'll make a lot more money off you than if they just sold you sold you the box sets. Um, Yeah. But you know, going back to ABC Australia, I love that IVU is becoming. Is, is coming internationally. I think it's very frustrating when I, I love watching a lot of BBC sort of comedy and TV shows, but you can't get any of that in Australia because it's all sort of IP blocked and well yeah. blocked, blocked. Um, so that no one out of, out of yeah UK geographically, that's yeah. it. That's it geographically. Yeah. Um, so it'll include shows such as Q, Q and a, four corners inside insiders, media watch, foreign correspondent and the drum. Um, I think this is, this is a good thing for Australian TV as well. Um, definitely, it, 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 you, you look at a lot of American sort of TV shows, um, in terms of say late night TV and they're becoming, they've become so popular on YouTube. Uh, they're sort of a global phenomenon and yeah, I would, you know, think that this is, this puts, um, Australian TV, um, at, at, I guess the same point and the opportunity to at least become as popular. Um, So fantastic news. Um, What do you think, Hayden?
1: I mean, I think that last point is the most important point here where there's been a big argument that Australian produced TV is dying because it's only broadcast on, you know, on, you know, free to air TV and maybe Foxtel depending on what package you have. And so the amount of people who are watching, you know, content on those platforms is slowly dwindling and stuff. And there seems to be only four or five TV shows that get any traction domestically. But what this does is, and I think that a lot of other channels will do this too, where it opens you up to, Hey, let's try to get other people into Australian broadcasting. That's not just our domestic market, which has proven to be not big enough to really sustain a a long list of varied shows. Um, I mean, it'll help people who want to become actors stay in Australia and, you know, keep the revenue from talented people who are creatives wanting to create content here. I mean, cause I feel that in the same way that we watch stuff like in between is on Netflix and really, you know, appreciate that. And, you know, it generates income over there in England. We could definitely do that with, you know, a Chris Lilly special that gets produced here and it's, you know, shown free um, all across the globe internationally and it, it would show other people that you can do it. So I think, you know, your point that it helps Australian media cross boundaries is a pretty important one because I don't know about you, but in my opinion, the quality of Australian TV has degraded pretty fast. And I would say that the popularity of streaming services and how little content they have on there that's Australian is a big part of that, that Definitely. the audience audience just isn't there anymore. Yeah, and you just have better options um, that you're
0: already paying for. So you might as well just stay with it rather than, um, you know, watching what some what some would argue is subpar TV. But moving on to the last point. Um, so if you're watching this on video, I'm about to share what I'm looking at, which is the new uh, icon for Microsoft Edge uh, that has been revealed um, in an online Easter egg hunt by um by Microsoft. So Microsoft Edge, if you didn't know, is essentially the Internet Explorer replacement. They've replaced Internet Explorer with Microsoft Edge a little while ago. Um, and it's the default uh, web browser. And a few months ago now, I believe, um, Microsoft did announce that they're moving to the Chromium engine, which is essentially the same engine that um the google chrome runs on um so they're moving they're upgrading i guess the technology base it's a bit it's been a big thing internet explorer is quite an outdated browser microsoft edge was an improvement on it but still no near as good as um say google's open source chromium engine so with that move they've also released now a new logo for for a long time there they were just using quite a boring logo i would say um hmm. i think it's weird hayden i think I think this logo, if you look at, say, Office 365 and the the Microsoft logo itself, they they moved to a very flat, very simple design language. And now with this, they're moving to, again, a, a, a much less simple design language, much more gradients, much more sort of layering and shadowing. I'm not cool with it. I think it looks a bit too firefox as well. Um, mm. And probably even... It's going back to looking closer to the Internet
1: Explorer logo. But I, I think that's done on purpose. I, I think I definitely agree with you that this looks pretty homogenous to other um, browser logos. And, mm. and I, but I think that's done on purpose because I think what they're trying to do is say, yes, this is a Microsoft product. Obviously, it still has that Internet Explorer type color palette and general look because it does look like an E without looking like an E. Mm-hmm. But I think in making it look like other browsers and making it look like the Google Chrome logo with, you know, the sort of gradient, <laughs> yeah. as you said, it is sort of subconsciously trying to tell consumers like we have finally, you know, released a browser that we consider on the level of Google Chrome and other, you know, much better browsers. And I think as for why they differentiated it from the Office suite, I think the problem that Microsoft has always had is they make very utilitarian products which is good because they're very popular but they're not very cool and they're not very like hip and new yeah and I, I mean like,
0: they're not going to compete against slack or they're not going to compete against any of these you know yeah, twitch sure. or up and coming uh, that, that that makes sense um but i mean they have a brand identity for a reason though right uh, maybe I, I get it that they're, they're trying to trying to release a product that doesn't fit into their brand brand identity because perhaps it's not in their interest that it fits into their brand, brand identity. But from a, from a marketing branding point of view, obviously being part of future theory, um, I wouldn't, I mean, maybe again, they're big enough. And as you said, they want to look like their peers so that they're seen to be just as good, if not better than their peers versus uh, look like the, their siblings from the same company so that, um, people look at them as, you know, oh, it's just Microsoft word or, um, it's just Microsoft Excel, which yep. let's be honest, doesn't, doesn't get you excited quite the same as Google Chrome does because the possibilities are nowhere near as fun with <laughs> Microsoft
1: Excel. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, the problem is that Microsoft really, the only cool brand that they've ever had and that they've ever had in the history of their company has been Xbox. And even that is dwindling you mm. Know, mm. now as Sony and Nintendo come back, you know, and rise again. So I, I feel like this is a ploy. This is them learning from that mistake and saying that, you know, yes, we are seen by the general public as utilitarian, no BS, like this is what a business person uses to get their stuff done. Mm -hmm. But I I think that they've understood that that didn't work when they tried to update Internet Explorer for Windows 8 and 10 and that didn't work for the soft launch of Microsoft Edge. So in my opinion, this doesn't hurt the brand identity of their other stuff, but it gives Microsoft Edge a better chance of not being seen as, you know, Internet Explorer V2. But that's the thing, Internet Explorer became such a a joke, a meme of how bad it was that the only reason you'd ever use it was to download Google Chrome. (laughs) I mean, I think that they're trying to get away with that because they understand that if they just keep the same brand identity that they have, that that consumer viewpoint will never ever change. And that's my outlook on it. I I definitely agree with everything you're saying in the fact that it's weird that you would make it so similar to other browsers Mm. and that, even though it looks so different, it is still obviously calling back to the internet Explorer logo. But I, I feel like, I feel like that's just the concessions you have to make when you're trying to make something drastically different, but you're also trying to link it to the lineage of your company and like of what it you know was built on. If that makes sense.
0: Yeah, no, it makes total sense. Um, I guess only time will tell how it sort of pans out and if it works, works for them. Um, well, I think that's about it for this week's episode of last week on Tuesday. Um, As always, uh, please feel free to um, follow and favorite um, the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on. Uh, Leave a review. If you have any thoughts, please reach out to us. Let us know if you want us to cover any, anything else that we say haven't covered. We'll try and um, cover that for next week and give you your thoughts on any items that might pop up. Uh, That's about it. Any comments from you Hayden before we, Um, sign off
1: Uh, no just shout out to the viewers please leave us a rating if you liked it and yeah just give us some feedback on whether you want some more marketing news or you want more tech news because at the end of the day we're making this show for you guys so your feedback is really valuable to us and uh, helping us make the show as good as it can be but besides that thank you Jermaine for having me
0: no worries Hayden thank you for hopping on and we'll catch you next week Thanks for listening to another episode of the future drive podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave a review on your favorite podcast app. It goes a long way to helping us. If you have any thoughts, questions, or comments, email us at hello at f-u-t-u-r-e-t-r-i.be. If you haven't already become a part of the tribe on Facebook, go to futuretribe slash F B and invite your friends. We're just getting started, and we would love to see you there. That's it from us. I hope this episode has empowered you to keep working on bettering your future. It's a pleasure to have you as part of the tribe. See you next time.